That was a clip from Graham Fitkin's Chain of Command by Powerplant, which is an audio-visual collective made up of sound designer Matthew Fairclough and visual artist Cathy Hind, and performed by percussionist Joby Burgess, who joins us here for our podcast today. Thanks for joining us, Joby. Thanks for, thanks for having me. That's all right. It's a really striking piece, and if I'm right, it uses clips of recorded speech by former President George Bush Jr. and Donald Rumsfeld. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, we got together maybe two years before this piece was uh, commissioned and first performed, and uh, Graham was really keen to explore the sound of speech. We started off with kind of a few nonsense things in the studio and just sort of words that seemed you know, amusing at the time, which have never seen the light of day. Yeah. And when it got to the point of deciding that there was a, a piece... Um, that could be done for this strange instrument and using the electronics. Um, it was around the time that uh, a lot of stuff was going on uh, in Guantanamo Bay, and there was a lot of stuff in the news. Um, and it was also uh, the last year of George Bush's um, uh, presidential, presidential in office, yeah. Um, and uh, so Graham took these two very short clips, um, both talking about prisoner abuse um, at Abu Ghraib and in Guantanamo Bay, um, I think there's only as much, or is it only as little as kind of 15 seconds of speech in in the entire piece. Sure. But the tape was the sound files were edited right down, so occasionally you'll hear a word like chain. Um, but suddenly at the beginning of the piece, you hear the constituent parts, so ch and a and ni. Um, and as you put these things together across the piece, you get these kind of sort of brittle you know, articulations. And yeah. They can be formed into rhythms and notes and clusters and all sorts of things. Yeah, It's really striking. And it's the first track on um, 24 Lines Per Second, which is one of your two albums with Powerplant, the first one being Electric Counterpoint. What's the driving influence behind the music that you choose and perform with Powerplant? I think the thing, the thing that I like to like about it is I want music that will challenge an audience, um, but will also not challenge them too much you know it'll be kind of scary kind of scary you know, yeah kind of really scary music but i want also music that will appeal to my peers people of my age um and people you know younger and older as well but um i i, I want to go to a i want to go and play in a concert hall whether you know the people are in their 20s and 30s sure. and not necessarily in their 60s and 70s i don't think those people necessarily like the music i play anyway huh. um but the music is always kind of, you know, rhythmic or, you know, melodic in some sense, often kind of minimal or minimalist in style. Um, so a lot of rep use of repetition. And uh, I just love using electronics. Um, I was fascinated. I and mean, before I even started playing drums um, as, a, as a child, 
I was into kind of four-track tape machines and recording music and sort of, you know, editing bits of material. And that sort of homegrown Yeah, sort of DIY thing. sort of studio thing. So yeah. even as a, you know, a teenager spending time in recording studio and mixing things, you know, adding EQs and reverbs, compressing things, I was kind of, that was as big a thing for me as, you know, playing the drum set was. Yeah. Um, and so... I kind of went off, you know, and learned all these other percussion instruments for a while. And uh, there was kind of with the Power Plant project, it was kind of a way of reconnecting, really, and using those electronics mm -hmm. live and on stage and finding a way of incorporating that stuff that I'd been really interested in, you know, into the percussion, mm. you know, the new instruments that I'd learnt. I just wanted to talk about that instrument that you use on Chain of Command, which is touching that uh, the electronic aspect, the xylosynth. Can you briefly explain for someone who's never heard of this before and can't quite imagine it? Yeah, sure. It's a really, I mean, it's kind of a really simple thing. It's a, it's a MIDI controller, um, but as it, as the name dictates, it's kind of part xylophone. So it's got wooden keys. So I'm playing it with mallets, just like I'd play a xylophone or a marimba. And the fact that it's got wooden keys is really cool because instead of having like little rubber pads, it feels like I'm playing. As a natural response. Yeah, it feels like I'm playing uh, an acoustic mallet instrument. Although it doesn't actually make any noise at all, it makes that sort of. That sort of noise if you hit it hard enough, yeah. Because obviously it's a piece of wood. Yeah. Um, so that's the xylo part, and then the synth bit is the synthesizer. Um, so I have a, a laptop computer which is stuffed full of different samples, um, different synthesizers, different sounds which I'm either experimenting with, but normally will have pre-prepared in the in the recording studio mm. um, and selected. And so I can drive the computer using the the synth. Yeah. I could, of course use it to replicate a xylophone or a marimba or a vibraphone but that'd be too simple seems seems a little bit seems a little bit over the top to do that sure um but it's kind of nice because um for the project it means that i've got like this one instrument which i can take um as opposed to having to take every single instrument and obviously it kind of means that i can play all these instruments that i wouldn't normally and sure. occasionally i'll play kind of electric guitar parts or synths on other people's projects um but using the xylosynth um, and obviously th those sounds are not sounds that people would normally, well, usually, they, well, they, they would normally ask me to, to do those things, but yeah. not standardly any a, a In many other places, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I mean, it must be hard trying to marry up something like the sounds of Chain of Command to a real score where you don't exactly get the tonal notes you expect from playing the keys you'd want. Well, you say that, but the funny thing is that George Bush talks fairly monotone in B-flat, so really? all of the B flat and E flat keys in yeah. Chain of Commands are on B flat. Mm. This coupled with the fact that I don't have perfect pitch means I don't. I've never really had this kind of issue with the 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 kind of layout of the instrument in that piece. Mm. I mean, I suppose also with percussion, when I have like a large set of drums or wood blocks or bits of sheet metal or something to play, mm. sometimes the low things will be in the you know the left hand and slightly behind you, but. At the same time, you might have low sounds on your right foot, you know, where the accelerator in your car is. Mm. So the idea that left to right, like the piano, doesn't really doesn't really exist as a percussion. It's much easier to divorce yourself from that yeah, sort of way absolutely. of looking at it. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. I mean, it's still very, very difficult. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> I'm not doubting that at all. <laughs> For anyone who perhaps hasn't heard of either yourself or Powerplant before, they'll certainly have heard of the many high-profile musicians, composers you've collaborated and worked with over the years. Uh, there's Peter Gabriel, Gabriel Prokofiev, Stuart Copeland, Eric Whittaker, the Smith Quartet, Peter Maxwell Davis, and quite a long and impressive list. Is it, it's quite a diverse range of different styles of music there. Is that something you, you enjoy doing in your sort of professional approach? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that old saying, variety is the spice of life. Um, and I think, the for me, the relationship I have with composers or producers um, in particular, kind of working as a percussionist, um, f- often from an early stage on a piece of music, is one that I find really invigorating and uh, kind of a very creative process. Mm. Um, and I also find that, you know, working with someone, you know, for example like Peter Maxwell Davis, where, you know, he had been writing sounds um, in the 60s and 70s, kind of unusual things. Like there was a, there's a piece I recorded a couple of years ago and performed called, uh, it's Miss D is the, the shortened title, mm. but you have to explore the tam-tam, ideally with a, an ice cream, cu- a, a kind of plastic ice cream tub right. to get these amazing screechy effects from it. Yeah. Um, and he actually writes glass in the score, but, it, 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 you know, from percussion colleagues who were involved with that, Fire, fires project it was that but you have so you learn that thing from a Peter Maxwell Davis score and you end up taking it to a Murray Gold sort of Doctor Who sort of recording session almost and the it, other end of the spectrum yeah, thing, yeah and it's really interesting and conversely there's stuff that goes the other way the the Puli sticks which is the uh, the national um, rhythm instrument of Hawaii if you go mm. to Hawaii you'll see the see the ladies dancing but they play these spl- pieces of split bamboo against their legs to keep time right. for the you know the, the other musicians to play um, and I got a sample of that I was sent a sample of this and it's oft- kind of often happens um, by John Metcalf the viola player and arranger mm. composer um, saying can you do this and I was like Yes, I can do this. And, uh, this was a sound that Peter Gabriel wanted on one of his projects. Sure. But it's also the sound that we used on this piece by Gabriel Prokofiev, a concerto for bass drum. And so yeah. the sound's kind of, in, in, in that way, kind of going the other way around. Yeah. And it, it's this wonderful journey as a percussionist, finding new sounds and new things for... Uh, for composers and writers to use. Absolutely. Uh, recently, you've been working with the Smith Quartet in a joint series of concerts. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah, it's been fascinating working with a string quartet again. Um, and the Smith Quartet, a tremendous group of players. Mm. So we've been around for, for many years, commissioned many composers. But it seems that we have this kind of very shared love of minimalist music and uh, repetition and ostinato. So um, we, we've talked for a little while about... Uh, performing a, a piece by the, the late Steve Martland, a fantastic British composer who was taken from us uh, you know, fairly young, died, died in, his, in his 50s, uh, just over 18 months ago now. Mm. Um, he wrote a very late work called Starry Night, based on, well, inspired by Van Gogh's uh, portrait, Starry Night, which is these kind of beautiful, dark blue, kind of heavy paintbrushes and really wonderful. Um, but a music which is uh, for string quartet and marimba, sort of this sort of heady, hedonistic, um, West African, almost influenced mm. um, on, onslaught of semiquavers. Yeah. Um, so we, we got together to play this piece. And we also commissioned a friend of ours, Graham Fitkin, uh, who we've both uh, myself and the Smith Quartet have had long associations with. He wrote a fantastic piece called Distill, um, which pits the percussion against the string quartet so we start with these very very short um, uh, staccato um, sounds in in the strings Mm. and against that I play these incredibly long sustained passages on mostly metal percussions and rotals and glockenspiel through the journey of the piece that the role is transformed so we end up with these very very long sustained string parts 
and these very, very short, very, very fast rhythmic passages in the, in the percussion. Uh, I particularly love working with Graham because he's one of the people who inspired me as a teenager to kind of think a bit further than the drum set. Yeah. Um, so actually hearing his music as a 16, 17-year-old drummer made me want to play the marimba and investigate some of these other instruments. Right. Um, he always has this way, I think, when he's writing for a project that I'm involved in, of just saying, there you go, here's all the stuff that I'd like you to try and do and do as much of it as you can. So we've had this kind of nice stripping back project because what we ended up with was a piece where I'm trying to play um, the Crotals, which is obviously a pitched set of two octaves of notes, and the Glockenspiel, which is kind of nearly three octaves of metal notes, and the vibraphone, which is kind of three more octaves of metal notes. They're all very nice and complimentary, but the expectation was that I could play all of these instruments with sure. my right hand. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of about two foot, two two meters square of instruments and little, area. little yes. things to hit. Yeah, and in the left hand, I could do something else. Okay. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of it was an amazing challenge to to be set. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a really wonderful piece, and the rest of the program has been complemented with um, solo items from our from our repertoire. Um, Although we're, going to, we're working on adding a few little more surprises for our touring in 2015. Oh, fantastic. Will... You're also a member of Ensemble Bash. How did you come to join that group? So in kind of late 2000, I was just finishing up my studies um, at the Guildhall. And uh, my teacher, uh, one of my principal teachers, Richard Benjafield, who was the sort of founding member of Ensemble Bash back in the early 90s, um, phoned me up and said... I've decided to leave my percussion group. Right. To which I went, really? What enough? What's going to happen if, you, if you're going to leave this group? Anyway, so he suggested that maybe I might like to get involved. So um, I'd actually worked briefly with the group a couple of years prior, helping out when one of the other members was, was ill. Um, so I went along and, and played with the guys and uh, obviously said the right things and was enthusiastic enough about what we were going to be trying to do, which was kind of easy. Yeah. Um, because it was such a fantastic thing that I'd seen from, uh, well, not afar, but often, you know, quite closely. Sure. Um, so I, I kind of did my first concerts with them in 2001, and, uh, you know, the rest is kind of history a little bit. Great. Um, I believe you're going to introduce a, a piece from their album, well, your album with them, A Doll's House. Yeah, so we recorded this album of miniatures, The Doll's House, um, uh, 2012, I think. And uh, one of my favourite pieces from the album and one of my favourite musicians to have, well, one of my favourite drummers to have worked with over the years, and musicians, of course, uh, Stuart Copeland's the the man, the stick man behind the police. Sure. And this is a composition he wrote for us called Breva.
Aside from your ongoing collaboration with the Smith Quartet, are there any particular concerts or projects coming up in 2015 that you're interested or excited about? Well, I'm excited about everything that I do, of oh, course. Sure. But yeah. um, one, one particular project that I'm really excited about doing next year is I'm going to be working with a fantastic composer and educator friend of mine, Stephen Deasley, who's based up in Edinburgh. We first worked together in sort of 2003 when he formed a group called Music at the Brew House, mm. which was this kind of strange band of people working with um, all sorts of different artists, different art forms, circus, um, physical theatre, dance. What that's come to be now is something called Love Music. And uh, Stephen is brilliant at combining uh, music education work and working with young people and um, engaging audiences with some actually quite challenging composition as well. So myself and Stephen had a conversation a few years ago and I was saying that I was really keen to try and bring together some of the performance elements of my work directly with some of the education stuff that I've done over the years. Um, And I wondered if maybe there might be something that we could do together as well. Um, and so what ended up happening was I was actually having a conversation with a a new but small and very creative arts organisation, in fact, called Bedford Creative Arts, based in Bedfordshire. Um, They asked me to come in and have a little conversation with them, and I suggested that maybe this might be a a thing that we could do. Mm. So the piece which they have commissioned and we're now going to tour around the UK is called Punk It, a uh, kind of 20 to 30 minutes piece of music um, where I work with a group of around 60 young people kind of kind of upper primary school kids lower kind of secondary school kids and they're gonna they're gonna be the drummers the the percussionists behind this band that we're going to create um, so 60 of these guys for each performance. It's always a scratch orchestra type thing. Kind of a scratch orchestra, but they're all going to be playing drums. Oh, okay, so it's going to be a really good orchestra. Yeah. So to finish off, we're going to hear one more piece by Powerplant, which is from the first album, Electric Counterpoint. That's right. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely to, to chat. This is my favourite of the Kraftwerk arrangements from that record. This is Radioactivity with some beautiful strings arranged by Ben Foster. Great. Thanks very much.
Thank you for downloading the Signum Records podcast. Now it's time for a little competition. My good friends at Signum Records are offering a copy of my latest CD um, if you can answer the answer to my question. Um, and the question is, which instruments do I play Graham Fitkin's piece Chain of Command upon? So, please email your answers to podcast at signumrecords.com. For more information on Signum Records releases, go to signumrecords.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Spotify, or follow us on Twitter at Signum Records.